Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast that celebrates the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by two excellent friends, my childhood friend Chris Dow, the little book of calm, and my adulthood friend Minty Booth, Headspace. We have taken a break from our usual countdown of our top 100 video games to reflect on some games that we have found beneficial to our general well-being and games that have helped us get through particularly tough times when struggling with our mental health. On the 10th of October, it's World Mental Health Awareness Day and mental health and well-being isn't something that may immediately spring to mind when talking about video games. But we three cents are proof that video games have had a substantial positive impact on our mental health and have also been responsible for getting us through some of the darker times in our lives. So we wanted to reflect on some of the games that are responsible for that. We've each chosen a game to talk in depth about that we found help us to slow down, calm down, cheer up, or sometimes even just get up. But before we do that, we wanted to touch on a few little personal memories of times where video games have helped us out when our mental health has been what can only be described as subpar. <laughs> Chris? I think it's important to be honest about this sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, us three being sort of close friends and everything is this is stuff that you were aware of anyway, but in terms of people out there listening, uh, like long-term listeners may remember in our first few episodes, I'd sometimes make reference to my partner or more accurately at the time, it was my then fiance. And then shortly after we started this recording project, kind of a, a few episodes in, that relationship unfortunately came to an end after quite some time, but you know, these things sometimes happen. But it's difficult to understate how important video games were to me at that particular time. Like it is worth saying, like people do change, and and I think it's really necessary to make clear that neither me or, or my ex partner harbour any sort of ill feeling towards each other. But it's just one of those things that you know sometimes things do come to an end, and that particular period was naturally a really difficult time. My brother Tom, who I've, I've mentioned in episodes a couple of times before, you know, a, a wonderful person in general, but he was extremely present during that initial period of, of sort of transition and change in my life. And around that time, that was when, again, long-term listeners might remember, he bought me a USB guitar so that I could play um, Clone Hero on, the, ah, the sort yeah. of open source Guitar Hero engine. And it, honestly, for that time to receive it then, it was one of the most valuable gifts I've ever received. And Clone Hero, you know, I, I mentioned it and sort of really praised it back, back when I first sort of picked it up. But since about November of last year, I've basically played Clone Hero almost daily. <laughs> that initially, it was one of the most important sort of I don't know, coping methods, I suppose, I used to adapt to just general changes in my life because it allowed me just to disconnect from any issues I might be having just by virtue of it requiring like a very specific sort of focus. Yeah. And for like a good month after that initial breakup, I probably played it for like several hours every day. Yeah. And Guitar Hero or, or any sort of rhythm games like that, I think you play best when you're able to sort of disconnect from everything outside and just let your muscle memory in your hands be driven by your senses and just really close yourself off to, to anything outside. And when you play well, it's a very sort of instinctive feeling in the same way that if you might play a real life instrument, you usually play best when you're just reacting unconsciously. You, you know, you, you know what you're doing. Muscle memory is kind of driving, driving what you're playing. And even these days, like if, if I play a game like that and I'm sort of too present when I'm trying to play Clone Hero, I always tend to perform worse if I'm actually like overanalyzing what I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, back in November, my, my brain was a real kind of mess just by, by virtue of facing this kind of upheaval and, and stress that, that comes with that sort of life change. And I, I found real, like genuine solace in, in the relative simplicity of Clone Hero. 
that it was a it was a format I already understood because I'd played these games for years. It offered a kind of scaling challenge, which I could alter depending on on how I was feeling and you know my mood itself. If I wanted it to be difficult or simple or anything in between, and because it was the open source PC version, like I said, that the music choice didn't really matter either because the the size of the library was basically infinite. So I, I could pick things that I felt was what I needed at that time, and. You know, it became the, the only reason I was stopping playing essentially early on was just because my hands got worn out and I needed a bit of a break. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, it provided a real, like, just backbone to my day where I could just sort of switch off for a couple hours, think about nothing outside of just hitting some coloured notes. And I think, you know, for, for years now, I've, I've actively tried to have a really positive outlook on life, like, no matter what's kind of going on with me. And even though a life change like this one was always going to be a, a massive challenge, I, I tried to be as positive as I could through that. But I, I honestly think having something like Clone Hero, as, as throwaway as it might sound, made some of the toughest bits of this you know, new life chapter, I guess, this new new bit of, of me, that little bit less scary. And yeah, thanks thanks Tom for that, because he uh, he arguably set the whole thing in motion that, to give me that, that focus. Good man. Good man. So my memory actually comes from pretty much the same the same time period uh, as, as you Chris yeah. although totally you know unrelated so I suffer with anxiety depression and OCD and it's a form of OCD called pure OCD so I don't have any of these sort of obvious stereotypical physical compulsions like turning on lights or keeping it obsessively clean or whatever so instead of actually wrestling with physical compulsions it's all up in your head and it's trying to resolve thoughts and ideas and it, it's in- incredibly distressing and the way it tends to work with me is that when my anxiety is high my OCD has a much easier time in taking over my thoughts and the more exhausted I get with that and the longer it goes on if I eventually hit a drop-off point where I then dive into a period of depression. Now fortunately I've been able to work through a lot of the contributing factors and triggers over the last few years and found ways of working and living to allow me to get by most of the time but there was a period of time right at the end of last year, exactly the same sort of time as, uh, as, as your memory, Chris, when my workload was very, very high and had been for several months. And I'd, I'd sort of taken my eye off the ball with how my mental health was doing. And before I knew it, I'd sort of totally crashed and found myself in one of the worst periods of depression I'd had in, in many years. For anybody who's experienced depression, you know that when you're in it, you can't see out of that darkness and all I could do was try and find something to hold on to to try and keep myself afloat and that's where video games came in and because this period in time happened to coincide with the release of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on the Switch (laughs) and because of the absolutely overwhelming amount of content on offer in the game I knew that I could just keep my head down and just plow through it one of the things my mum always used to say to me is this too shall pass and it's true Uh, every single time I've been in a period of depression or a bad state of anxiety or anything like this I know that it will pass because it's been okay before and I've got through stuff before and I knew that no matter how long it took me for for this period of depression to to pass no matter how long it took I knew that it couldn't outlast the things to do in Smash Brothers (laughs) there would be (laughs) there would always be more to do (laughs) and so I knew the game would be with me throughout it all (laughs) I've always thought that the opposite of giving up is getting up and even if I felt I had nothing else to get up for I could at least try and chip away a bit more progress in my Smash game and in a sort of numbed haze of progress i found that you know i'd racked up 
60 to 70 hours on the game time had passed and my depression was starting to subside like you were saying Chris it was one of those things that provided me with a bit of a backbone it was the you know uh, that was the constant in this thing and sometimes it's obviously it's incredibly hard to actually reach out and and find those things even and most especially when it could be people trying to help you it often feels when you're in it that the risk is too much to to try and use somebody else to keep you afloat and finding these things that you know are stable and constant that was the key and uh, and that was <laughs> that was super smash brothers and to be honest having this podcast as well to keep me motivated was another wonderful thing um again i knew if you know nothing else at least i'd get to talk about what i love for an hour a week and spend a few hours editing it and and that was great because in my job i do a lot of editing work for clients and that was something that felt too heavy a challenge and too sort of big a weight to hang over me which is a shame because the editing process similar to kind of what you said chris about playing clone hero is i do sort of reach a point where i can zone out and sort of go in instinctually mm. with that and that can be a very very therapeutic thing to be doing and being able to edit this podcast uh, as well as you know record it proved to be um very therapeutic so uh yeah thanks thanks guys i guess <laughs> well, so thank you both of you anytime so i didn't really want to come into this episode and just reel off a load of games that i play when i'm in a state of poor mental health because just being like, I'll play Mario when I'm tired <laughs> doesn't seem particularly useful to people who might want to explore adding games to their repertoire for maintaining uh, good mental health. Mm. So what I did was uh, look at a couple of games I crack out, did a little reading around why they seem so effective at helping my mental well-being. So there are a couple of games I fall back on, and they're both what we would call retro games ah. in the business. So there's no polygons here, just pixels and sprites. I've played both of these games regularly throughout my life, so I'm very good at them. They're very familiar to me. And I think, crucially, they have an enormous amount of nostalgia associated with them by virtue of being so prevalent in my life. I've had uh, anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder since my early years. And I've been playing games for about that long as well. So looking back, it seemed obvious to dig a little deeper into how they impacted my life um, holistically, instead of just maybe focusing on one uh, inciting event. We'll, we'll talk about those games in a sec. But uh, I decided, as I was writing this slice. I decided to see if anybody had anything to say about the link between nostalgia and mental well-being. And I found out that the University of Southampton, or more specifically, Tim Wildschut, Constantine Serikides, and Jacob Yule have uh, slapped their collective academic noodle on it and authored a couple of articles which, if their abstracts are to be believed, have confirmed my suspicions, because they detail the characteristics of the nostalgic experience and then discuss a wide range of studies demonstrating that psychological threats triggers nostalgia and then nostalgia enhances psychological health and well-being and nostalgia promotes adaptive psychological functioning among individuals at risk for poor mental health. It sounds interesting, and maybe one day I will read the actual article. <laughs> but for now, I am happy 
just to let the abstract justify my playing the same old Nintendo games day in and day out. <laughs> thank you for that, Minty. And thank you for that, Chris, as well. Good yeah. to be able to share these things and, uh, and and talk them through. And hopefully uh, anybody listening who's gone through similar similar things can uh, can find some some comfort in knowing that it's it's not just them. So moving on, we've each picked a game to talk about a little bit more at length that we would specifically recommend for, for people who uh, who may be looking for a game to play that could calm them down, chill them out, give them the necessary headspace to cope with whatever it is that they may be going through. So for me, I could very easily talk about Animal Crossing, which I've returned to time and time again to help slow myself down. And I was incredibly happy that my wife-to-be, Sammy, felt the same benefits of the game. And I remember when she was having a particularly low time with her mental health, I decided to wipe my save file on Animal Crossing on 3DS (gasps) and pass it over to her. (laughs) I I know, I know. And if she doesn't mention that in our wedding vows, then war. (laughs) Because we... That's That's a big deal. It gave me a lot of joy seeing how she found tremendous comfort in the game, as I did. And I mean, she's, I think she's actually playing it right now. And she checks in with it most days, and it's just really, really nice. And there's also games like Stardew Valley or Football Manager that allow you to just zone out, work through these very satisfying processes over and over again, whilst also feeling a sense of progression and achievement. But I, I wanted to focus on something that, you know, a, a little a, a little different. And plus, I may well talk about some of those games uh, in the future. <laughs> I was often told as a child that video games were too stimulating and that it wasn't good for me to do to relax. And this was certainly the case when I was an international super monkey ball high scorer. And I would sometimes <laughs> go deep into the night replaying the same level over and over again to get one more banana on my run. And I'll be the first to admit that in the cold light of day, in the honesty of a Christian morning, that was not the best for me. <laughs> but trying to occupy my mind to give myself enough distraction from whatever intrusive thought I had going around in my head, it can be a very, very tricky thing to gauge. It's, it's a constant tightrope walk. On one side, you can be too stimulated and your mind can go into overdrive and fuel your agitation. And on the other side is being unoccupied to the point of having far too much space in your head, allowing you to dwell and ruminate and send your mind into overdrive and this is all in addition to trying to manage your energy levels and tiredness and i mean the whole thing just makes every cup of coffee an absolute gamble <laughs> so in trying to find games that are good for me to zone out to it's 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 a it's a tricky affair and i can't apply the same rules that i do for say music where listening to some jazz or some ambient music can be great it's mostly not too challenging but it keeps you on your toes enough to keep you engaged enough to occupy your mind enough so as to balance your thoughts out enough and for me this is where mobile gaming has really helped it requires very little effort to pick up my phone and open a game you know it's with me wherever i am even if that's in bed there's plenty of word games that i like to play at night which just help me switch off a little bit and drift off games like wordscapes and word stacks by people fun but what i'd like to cite specifically are two games Alto's Adventure and Alto's Odyssey, both absolutely beautiful endless runner games where you play as a skier in Alto's Adventure and as a sandboarder in Alto's Odyssey. 
And in both of these games, you travel through the landscape, collecting coins and power-ups whilst avoiding hazards and obstacles, pulling off tricks to rack up your multipliers and overall points. And as is usual with these types of games, you always have a few short-term goals to achieve, whether it's reaching a certain distance, collecting a certain amount of coins, pulling off a certain number of tricks, etc, etc, etc. And it means there's always something to aim for in your runs, and then you can upgrade your character, unlock new characters, abilities, and, and it means there's always a reason for one more run. And I know this, I mean, this is pretty much exactly the same setup as in every other Endless Runner game out there. And there are lots of these other games that, you know, get it really, really right and are good fun and well-balanced and not reliant on in-app purchases and freemium models. But the design of Alto's Adventure and Alto's Odyssey especially is, is just so, it's so beautiful and so calm that all that stuff that would usually stress me the hell out in another game make me rage quit and put me in a huff for the rest of the day it somehow doesn't bother me at all and i can just go oh well never mind this is this is a nice scene that i'm looking at whilst my man has crashed into the side of a mountain oh, <laughs> never mind I'll, I'll try again and it's got a similar aesthetic to games like journey and that game company's other similarly spiritually replenishing games and having that available in your pocket wherever you go, whenever you need it, and able to play it in both short and long bursts is its just a really, really wonderful thing. For me, it balanced it perfectly between I could play it fairly absentmindedly and like you were saying, Chris, about Clone Hero, yeah. actually some of the times I did it best was when I would zone out and trust my little judgments on it. And yet it still engaged me enough every single time that my mind wouldn't wander whilst playing it too far and there was always something to sort of bring me back and ground me even if that was literally you know jumping into an alpaca and grounding me um, <laughs> and having to start another run <laughs> so neither Alto's Adventure or Alto's Odyssey are in my top 100 list but they are both games that are really important to me for, for you know for these reasons and I'm really glad to have had a chance to talk about them a little bit and I would wholeheartedly recommend them to anyone looking for a game that will help you slow down unwind but also being fun and feel like a, a worthwhile experience as well brilliant really great thanks chris over to you as you mentioned jonathan as one of the game series which uh, i know we've all enjoyed uh, you know for this very reason i started writing notes for this episode and you know, started thinking about Animal Crossing, yeah. a, a game which I, I couldn't quantify the number of hours I've put into across different iterations, but a very, very important game. And I, I started to think about that, but then thought, you know, this is going to come up later in the list, obviously. This, this is a game that we we love. So I, I tried to think more kind of as like a series, which has always been with me for years and years and years. And it's Tetris. Of course, it's Tetris. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, for me, literally throughout my life whenever I've encountered periods of day-to-day -day stress and this is from being like child through to adulthood now I've always returned to Tetris whether that was like on the Game Boy or kind of different versions I've had on other handhelds or home consoles or most recently like Tetris Effect easily the the best Tetris there is really yeah I mean whenever I feel I've lost control in areas of either my work or my personal life or anything like that I always come back to Tetris because it's it's like it's a caretaker game I've often called like Tetris and block based games it's <laughs> like you, you're just managing things as they come to you so it's never about clearing everything it's just about making do with what you've got and just pushing forwards it's just about progress and and always kind of thinking just ahead as opposed to kind of dwelling on what's already gone and in the same way like Guitar Hero it's, it's a game I really know it's a game I really love and it's a game that I'm pretty good at 
And, and because of that, there's always a relative amount of control I can apply to Tetris that makes me feel centered again. But more than just its function, and, and this is where this is going to get a bit flowery today, I, th- I think Tetris is a perfect allegory for, for modern living and, and, and the way we kind of experience the, the modern world. Because all of us, like us three, as well as presumably anyone listening to this, we're what I would call the Tetris generation now, that it's, it's a game that is so globally ubiquitous that our parents know it by name. In some cases, our parents' parents will know it by name. And that's really something special, considering most of the time, if my dad walks into me playing something, he'll just call it the dog game or the one with the shooting or something. <laughs> you know, Tetris is something that is immediately identifiable to almost anyone who's alive today. And I think it's a game that, like I said, it illustrates kind of the, the strife of navigating our world better than almost any other cultural touchstone that I can think of. Because as, you know, blocks fall, blocks are arranged, blocks are erased, and then they're replaced. And it's an ongoing challenge. Thinking about it in kind of like a a metaphorical or allegorical way, it's that every combination of squares, you can think of it as kind of a unique challenge that that you're trying to organize into into place, like I said, as, as the caretaker. But not just as a player, it's kind of done also with, you know, as a human and with all the kind of fear and indecision and weakness and everything that implies that we're, we're just helping negotiate these blocks safe passage. And, and that's basically just life. That's, that's what we do on a day-to-day basis. We just organize ourselves into a way to, to get through the day and move forwards and, and see what sort of challenges come next. So, you know, as each shape lands, you get like a sort of temporary period of stasis where there's that little bit of respite before another appears and then you carry on. And I think Tetris is, is a difficult game, but that's because life is pretty difficult. Life can be really, really challenging. And again, thinking about it in terms of a metaphor, like the, the growing stack of blocks, it could be that you're thinking about career pressures, uh, like you said about you know having like a big workload, Jonathan, over, over Christmas, or it could be peer pressures, or it could be relationships, like I mentioned for me, or familial hardships, or, or anything else that might be causing you kind of difficulty. You know, it can be the route to something, it can be the route to nothing at all. But as you kind of like neatly arrange them kind of, you know, across the well, one side to the other, trying to leave that last column empty to drop in that that Tetris block, that could also be opportunity or or kind of having order or or respect or recognition. So it's kind of, there's a positivity to it as well as like a a hardship. Sometimes that comes, sometimes you'll you'll get that really, you know, the positive kind of big clear, the, the Tetris clear. And then sometimes it's going to get filled awkwardly with an overhanging sort of gangly shape that, that leaves the bottom row all empty and unfulfilled. But again, as, as a lesson, I, I think we learn in life that both of those outcomes are acceptable. And when you're in a period of, of kind of, you know, a, a darker place, say, for, for mental health, the, there's going to be times where, where you have those awkward times where you do have that gap at the bottom and it kind of niggles at you for that little bit of time. But equally, there's those times when you push out the other side. And I think Tetris teaches a, a sense of resilience and the ability to think on your feet and be proactive and productive because it teaches you that even though we all face these dead ends as, as we move through life, the same as you can in Tetris, you can always reset and try again. And, and I think, you know, honestly, it's, it's an absolutely perfect game. I, I, I can't speak highly enough as to Tetris as a series and a franchise, but it's the thing, like I mentioned, that I've played consistently in my entire life in in one form or another so it predates obviously animal crossing guitar hero because the first time i picked it up on the game boy i was i don't know six or seven maybe and it's been something that has has stuck with me ever since and yeah it's just it's, it's beautifully simple and yet something that i think will continue to be a warm comfort for me probably until old old age 
So, yeah, get a copy of Tetris. Keep it on you at all times. <laughs> Doctors will be prescribing it in the future, I'm sure. I hope so. Doctors will certainly be asking <laughs> us to pay for it in the future, the way yeah. things are going. <laughs> Quite likely. Oh. Tetris Effect, one of the things I loved about it was how, when you're in it, it really feels that time, everything else has stopped. Yeah. And uh, that weirdly enough reminded me of Kid A the album by Radiohead yeah Tree Fingers especially on that album yeah the instrumental cut from that album you'd put that on and three minutes would feel like an hour and sometimes god that's just what you needed Mm. that's really really great Minty I can beat A Link to the Past in an afternoon (laughs) I've been playing it since I was seven years old and I don't want to say too much about it now but I think it's one of the finest games ever made. <laughs> Same goes for Mario 3. Oh, yeah. These two games in particular, every stage, item, story beat, dungeon and enemy carries a palpable feeling of comfort for me. They bring about a feeling of contentment on a much deeper level than just, you know, having a nice time playing a good game. When I play them, I'm instantly taken back to those times in my childhood. CRT casting a pillowy glow across the room as I would get further and further each time I tried to beat them. The sense of progress and the sheer joy of playing these extraordinary, timeless games has become so locked in my amygdala that whenever I pick them up, all that positive emotion just comes flooding back. I often catch myself breathless and nodding along with each step of progress as I remember that I need the flippers for this dungeon and on the way I can get the level 2 shield from the fairy and after that I can loop back round and get the ice rod and everything just falls into place so gently and before you know it I've slayed Ganon, the credits roll and the Master Sword sleeps forever or until the next time the calamitous darkness covers the land and I need to save Hyrule and by extension myself once again. I understand that uh, there are people out there who uh, don't have such a historic and storied relationship with video games that spans literal decades. So it's always a toss up between uh, these two games, Link to the Past and Mario 3, and then something far more recent and immersive for me if i recognize that i'm not quite at the place i need to be in terms of my mental health i pick up skyrim just lose myself in another world Mm. where just enjoy yourself wholly and completely and be heroic no matter what's happening or how you're feeling there's a world out there where you can be heroic (laughs) and that bleeds into your life outside the screen i believe because of the emotional investment we place in games and the effect that, that has on us as we play them. Absolutely. Hmm. Escapism is something that is sometimes the, the most wonderful comfort. Like Skyrim, for me as well, is something that I've, I've returned to just to get lost in. On that note, I've been meaning to get back into Breath of the Wild because despite its difficulty in terms of the combat, hmm. it's such a, such a soft and such a gentle game in the gentle ebb and flow of the topography as well as your progress through the story you can go at it as quickly or as slowly as you want yeah i'm gonna crawl up to some horses and just scuffle about yeah i'm gonna go up and see the lord of the mountain once again gonna harvest star clusters (laughs) 
all the while listening to a beautiful, minimalist and evocative soundtrack. Or sometimes just simply just wait on a bridge to see a dragon. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful moment. What Absolutely a, amazing. What a just an encyclopedia of really beautiful, stilling moments. I remember climbing my first Sheikah Tower and just those little piano trills. Wow. Yeah. There really is nothing like a good video game, is there? There is not. Hmm. So that wraps it up for this episode. Hopefully this has given you a few suggestions of games that you can play if you find yourself at the darker end of things. Maybe you could zone out to some Tetris, become a mayor in a village on Animal Crossing, or pick up a nice mobile game, or simply revisit a comforting classic game from your childhood. Please feel free to get in touch with us to share your thoughts on any games that you have found beneficial to your mental health, or to share any of your stories of how gaming has helped you through rough times. You can find us on Facebook if you search for Our Three Cents, or you can reach out to us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. You can now find me on Twitter at Clement underscore Boo. And please do join us next week where we will be continuing our countdown of our top 100 games. And do please spare some thoughts on 10th of October to those people you know who struggle with their mental health. And also bear in mind that there are so many people out there who you won't even know are fighting their own demons. So please always be kind and look after each other. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.